You are listening to John DeYard's Life Spa, your premier source for health news in Ayurveda, where modern science meets ancient wisdom. So welcome to this month's podcast. The title of this podcast is, is The Brain-Lymph Connection for Better Mood and Memory. Uh, super exciting topic. I'll be discussing uh, all about this incredible new research on the brain lymph and the entire lymphatic system for that matter, and kind of bridging the gap between what Ayurveda knew thousands of years ago with regard to the lymph and what we now know today. It's fascinating, really fascinating. I hope you're going to like it. Um, upcoming podcast, before I forget, um, we're going to, uh, next month we're doing a podcast called Discover Your Ideal Weight Plan with Ayurveda. It's spring, people want to lose some weight. We're going to talk about how to do some weight balancing, bring your body, make you better fat burners. And that's going to be part one. It's also seasonal cleansing season. So at the end of that, uh, uh, podcast as part two, we're also going to take questions, uh, with regard to, uh, live questions regarding to your detox and any questions you have about our upcoming Colorado cleanse. And that is going to be on April 11th. So I, I tune into that, put that on your calendar, and you can sign up for that now actually on my homepage as well. Okay, um, so that is that. And um, here we go. Let me get a drink of water. And so what happened uh, about six months ago at the University of Virginia, they found these lymphatic vessels in the brain that didn't exist before. In other words, for pretty much the entire life of Western medicine, they considered the central nervous system and the brain completely devoid of lymphatic vessels. And, um, and it was an enigma because they didn't have the brain detoxed or if it ever detoxed or how it got rid of its waste. I mean, every cell has nutrition in and waste out, right? Everything has to turn over. But these brain cells, they didn't really dump or, or detoxify. Well, six months ago, they found these brain lymphatic vessels. And what was really cool about it was that they have blood vessels going into the brain. And where the, where the, the brain actually decided to dump its waste was a tiny little sleeve around the artery. So if you have an artery and a little tiny sleeve around the artery, like a second little sleeve, that sleeve between the outside of the arterial wall and this new sleeve was where the lymph would drain through. Pretty phenomenal stuff how it would drain sort of on the outside of the artery. So it was completely invisible. No one could see it until they actually started seeing that these limbs would actually move while we would sleep at night. And they found that it, sleep, that it drains specifically well when you sleep well, and it drains specifically well when you lie on your side, which is nice. And it doesn't drain well when you lie on your back or on your face, which I can't imagine anybody sleeping face down. Um, so I'm not sure if just turning your head to the side works or you have to be on your side. I'm not sure, but to be on the safe side, do as much side sleeping as you possibly can. Uh, you get a significant amount of more brain drain, lymphatic waste removal when you drain, when you, when you sleep on your left side. So sleep is important. Six to eight hours per day is really important. We've heard all this science about you must get the right amount of sleep, you must do this. We didn't understand why until now. Now we know that the brain literally drains about three pounds of toxic 
beta amyloid plaque, which is linked to Alzheimer's, and other brain toxins, environmental pollutants, mercury, pesticides, things like that, that end up fat-soluble yuck that end up in our brain, which is 60% fat, actually drain out of your brain to the tune of about three pounds per year. That's the entire weight of your brain being detoxified um, every year. That's a, a crazy amount of waste, I, I guess. Um, it, it seems like a lot to me. And the, to the idea that that was, that was uh, never really understood or we didn't even know that, that existed is after you know, our medical science being so advanced and only we're just beginning to discover that now. What's really unique about the lymphatic system in general, why you have only hear about it when you hear the word cancer, is because the lymphatic system is a very difficult system to measure. You know, like you can stick in, you know, uh, uh, some type of device to measure the flow inside the artery or inside the vein. The lymph is sort of diffuse all over the body, and then it sort of gathers up and gets to these lymphatic vessels, and it's very, very difficult for it to be measured. So therefore, it's still sort of this, this very ununderstood system. And I have been doing a ton of research kind of gearing up for a couple of things. One, an ebook on the lymphatic system, citing all the newest science that's coming out. And also, I just finished a book called Eat Wheat, which is coming out probably this summer, which is all about over 605 references citing that maybe many of our issues with wheat and dairy have to do with broken down digestion, which is letting toxins move into the, the irritate, damage the intestinal skin, and move into the lymphatic system, and not let us drain the brain. And many of these brain-related issues we have with wheat and dairy and food intolerances, brain fog, mental clarity issues, tiredness, fatigue, they all can be linked to lymphatic congestion. It's super fascinating what's happening in this field. So it's very, very important. Now, what, I, what I, I thought was the most fascinating thing, and you know, our whole thing at LifeSpa is to prove ancient wisdom with modern science, right? And, and one of the things that Ayurveda said was that there are these limps in the brain called that track through the sagittal sinus, which is like a big mohawk haircut right here. And it turns out that when they actually, and I've got pictures of this, if you go to my website and you just type in in the search bar, brain lymph, um, it'll, come up with, it'll come with an article, I've written a bunch of them already, um, and one of the pictures from the University of Virginia where they discovered these limps, they show exactly where these limps weren't. They show the brain and parts of the central nervous system completely devoid, blank, with no lymph. And they show the new limps that they discovered up and down the central nervous system and across like the sagittal, right across the sagittal sinus and right across uh, like a big mohawk haircut, which may be... Um, something that the Native Americans figured out was a real sacred um, part of the, of the brain nervous system. Well, it turns out that here's, here's what, let me tell you what Ayurveda thought about these brain limps first, okay? And then I'm gonna tell you what Western medicine has just recently discovered, which is really, really fascinating. So thousands of years ago, they said that this brain lymph across the sagittal sinus was a place where the body would dump toxins and waste and particularly emotional traumas, uh, anxiety, depression, mood-related issues, not to mention brain fog, mental clarity, cognitive function, things like that. Um, but the brain lymph in particular, this brain lymph was one place where the body would sort of dump toxins when there was an emotional trauma involved. So if you were uh, in a situation where you had an emotional event or emotional traumatic event, 
uh, it would cause these brain limbs to congest and and it, it would sort of numb you in an emotional way. So you didn't have to carry the burden, carry the emotional stress and strain um, for all these years. And you could move on with your life, which a lot of us are figure out a way, a way to do, even after some pretty, you know, terrible traumatic events that ha- that take place. So, so, um, and cleaning out this brain limp was a way to create, um, to you know, after the, the most of the emotional trauma has worn off and you've grieved, you can detoxify that brain lymph and create and regain your mental clarity, your your heightened state of awareness. Now, what does that mean, heightened state of awareness? Well, in Ayurveda, they were very well aware of the fact that 95% of the things that we think and say and do every single day are unconscious. They're based on the first impressions that we experience in the first four, five, six years of life. And we are carrying those impressions into adulthood, projecting those on the screen today as a way of, as, as a way of feeling safe and secure. And those emotional impressions that we carried from, the, from our youth create sort of unconscious behavior, which means that we're reacting based on stuff that happened a long time ago as opposed to being present and aware and conscious. And one of the whole points of Ayurveda was to, be, to become conscious, to become aware, so you can start functioning based on you versus based on what you, your mind thinks you need to be safe and secure in your world. So Ayurveda always boils down to creating better mental clarity, higher states of cognitive function, and you know human potential really and human potential is not going to be ideal if we're carrying you know impressions from the first 6 years of life and that's affecting 95% of the stuff we think and say and do every day of our life we can do better right i mean that's just the bottom line and that's the the, the cool thing about these brain limps is when you clean them out you get a heightened potentially a heightened state of awareness okay now let me um, back up and talk about what Western science has, has understood these brain limbs to be. Well, and I wrote an article about this. I thought that was pretty fascinating. There was a doctor uh, back in the early 1900s. I, I forget his name. Um, and he had a, and I have an article written. You can go check it out. Um, and he had a psychiatric hospital on the East Coast, which was absolutely world famous. It was the number one psychiatric hospital on the planet. And people would send their people, their family members and people who are not well, psychologically not well, to this place. And he would like chop off their fingers, pull out their teeth, chop toes off, fingernails, anything that was infected, he'd chop it off. And, but people got better and people would send their friends and their family there because, because the results were so, you know, better than anywhere else. I don't know how great they were back then, but they were better than anything else. And now fast forward, you know, till now, and they realized that the brain lymphs and the lymphatic system that is the largest circulatory system of your body, which regulates and governs your entire immune system, if it gets congested, it's directly linked to infection, inflammation, which is the cause of just about everything, autoimmune conditions, think about that for a second, your immune system gets stuck in traffic and it starts to turn on itself, which is an autoimmune condition, 
anxiety and depression and psychological issues. Not to mention Alzheimer's and brain fog and these other brain congesting events that take place. So that was just sort of fascinating that this doctor was chopping off fingers, was actually getting rid of infections, letting the lymph kind of you know, decongest because it wasn't bogged down with this major infected site and the lymph would begin to move and people would get psychologically better. They would feel better in many counts. And that was the original, I don't think he even knew what he was doing in terms of lymph, but this is now being sort of understood today after uh, many, many years. Fascinating correlation that they made. Um, so anyway, um, that's exactly what these brain lymphs are linked to. That brain lymph is draining your central nervous system. If you can't get the toxic waste out to the tune of three pounds per year in your brain alone, then the brain is going to congest. When the brain congests, you can imagine, you know, clarity of thought, brain fog, mental, uh, emotional, handling stress easily, psychological issues, all could, could, could be and uh, are beginning to mount on that list. We know that these brain lymphs directly control certain neurotransmitters like GABA and other neurotransmitters of the brain that support mood stability and, 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 um, and clarity. So it's very, very powerful. Now, I had a patient of mine years ago who came to me. She had a big goiter about the size of a, a grapefruit in her neck. And she um, had hyperthyroidism. Her numbers were very, very high. And um, the doctor gave her a little bit of time to do some alternative things to before we, we would actually suggest getting you know, her thyroid removed because it was so big and it, the numbers were really so high, dangerously high. So I gave her a, a therapy. She came to me and, and I gave her a detox therapy and some sort of self-inquiry emotional practices that she did while she was here. And, um, and I actually wrote, recently wrote an article about these therapies called How to Clean Your Sinuses and, um, and Remove Emotional Baggage. So if you type that in, you'll see this exact therapy, step by step by step what we did, which includes doing really aggressive, special lymphatic massage for your head and for your neck, uh, inhaling um, eucalyptus oil to open up all the sinuses, um, using hot water bottles on your head, uh, taking a very hot shower, basically doing all these techniques to open up the vessels of your head and get everything really circulating as best that you possibly can. And then they take a regular uh, herbalized nausea oil and you take a couple of drops of that in your sinuses and you sniff that oil up into the sinuses up in here. I, in Ayurveda, the, the nausea, the, the, the sniffing of oil, is, a, is one of the five most powerful techniques in Ayurveda. This wasn't given because, you know, we just think sniff a little oil, lubricate your sinuses and you're good. This was one of the five most powerful techniques in Ayurveda. Um, and it wasn't just about sniffing oil into uh, lubricate your sinuses. It was a delivery system into the sagittal sinus is what it was. And that's why it is one of the five most powerful techniques. So one of the techniques, and I tell you how to do this, is to mixing some water and some, uh, some ginger um, and a little bit of brown sugar, and you mix it and you sniff that into your sinuses as well. After you do this like half hour preparation, and it sort of cleans out and burns and tingles a little bit as it goes back into your sinuses. And, uh, and um, a very powerful technique, super mental clarifying technique. And, um, and uh, so she did this a couple of times. And afterwards, I gave her some homework to, to journal about, about, you know, 
patterns of behavior, things that we engage in that are based on other people's approval. What are the things that we do every single day of our life to make other people like us, approve of us, care for us, you know? And how much energy we put in projecting on the screen something that we think they will like. We're sort of hardwired for this dopamine of approval, right? So, so how, so that was sort of what she was journaling was about, is how much energy she's putting into being um, uh, liked, cared for, appreciated, approved of by everyone. So she was doing this journaling after she did this clean brain cleaning technique and, and um, she had an epiphany. And she told me that she was abused when she was 14 years old and she had completely blocked this event out of her mind. And she said it was really weird because I was, when I finally like saw this event, I wasn't that struck by the event itself. I was super struck by my childhood before that event. Super happy-go-lucky childhood. Everything was wonderful. Then this event happened. Then I became this like straight-A student, perfectionist, type-A, hyper-vigilant, 90-hour-week corporate executive. Everything was perfect. She was dressed perfect, hair perfect. She put so much energy, color-coded closet. Everything was perfect because it was her survival to be perfect. And as a result, she uh, burned out herself, burned out her adrenals, and she had issues with fatigue, burned out her, uh, her, her blood sugar had some uh, issues that she had to deal with along the way, and now finally her thyroid was exploding. Three places that our bodies actually have, you know, try to get energy from. Um, so so um, what was amazing was that she, she realized that that 10-minute event, although it wasn't wonderful at all, it was terrible, but she said 25 years of you know, running away and trying to be safe and being perfect to be safe and secure as a result of that one thing versus my perfect, wonderful, happy-go-lucky childhood. And she just said, it's not worth it. And she literally just dropped it. And when she dropped it, um, literally within a week, this thyroid disappeared, her goiter disappeared. Came was normal size, hard to believe, but it was true. Um, her numbers came down about 400 points in that first couple of weeks. And then within six months, her, normal, her thyroid normalized, and now she's completely fine. The result of that was that there's a powerful message here with regard to how emotional traumas can damage our sagittal sinus, our cervical brain lymph, which we only just discovered, only just beginning to understand the subtleties of this, and how it can, how it was linked to a, a, a life, 25 years of running and running and pushing and trying to survive and putting a huge amount of stress on the system. Um, a fascinating story about how what Ayurveda understood to be the power of these brain lymphs. Now, of course, uh, you know, Western medicine hasn't even begun to understand, although in the last six months there's just so much information coming out about what they're deducing, like the anxiety and the autoimmune conditions, how it's all linked to drain clogging issues. And this is what Ayurveda's been saying for thousands of years, fix the drains. If you're not going to the bathroom good, if you're not uh, eliminating well, if you're not breathing deeply into the lower lobes of your lungs, a powerful way to move limp with your rib cage and get waste out as you breathe, believe it or not, it's a powerful waste removing technique. Um, exercising is so important. Yoga is so important. All these tools, it's all about how we move waste out of our body. Our skin, powerful waste removing you know, channel. Uh, very, very important. So, 
what also what I thought, what I think is so fascinating about Ayurveda is it was so um, aware of the subtleties of these, these uh, let's say these lymphatic vessels, for example. What we now know in Western medicine is that the microbes, which make up 90% of the cells in the human body, are extremely sensitive to everything. If you yell at them, they actually feel that, believe it or not. Uh, if you put, uh, you know, if you put um, a mice, uh, a healthy, happy mouse next to a, an aggravated mouse, a social disruptor mouse, it disturbs the good mouse microbiome. If you take the fecal matter or the poop out of an anxious mouse and put it into a calm mouse, the calm mouse gets anxious. We know that, that our microbes, which, which proliferate mostly in the large intestine, although they're everywhere, there's skin in the body, they're there, um, they send direct messages through the brain, the gut-brain access to the brain. And if the messages coming into the brain, into the gut, are healthy and stable, that these messages from your gut can support higher functioning of your brain to the tune of intuitive decision-making and what they call gut feelings. So now science has actually linked our gut microbiome, which is aware of everything to even intuitive decision-making. That's about as far as science has gone, pretty far actually. But let me tell you back, go back to the ancient wisdom and maybe tell you where science might even go further in the future. Ayurveda said that if you eat food, that who grew the food, the energy that they imparted on the food, who harvested the food, who carried it to the market, who cleaned it in the kitchen, who prepared it, who cooked it, and who served it, all of that has an emotional charge on the food. That sounds unbelievably ridiculous, probably, to a lot of us. But the reality is, is that the, the, the microbes on the hands of the person who harvested that food is now on that food, for sure, absolutely for sure. In one study, 80% of the microbes on cheese is from the cheesemaker's hands. And everything the cheesemaker touched for, you know, the last probably, well, last time they washed their hands, really, really good. That's sort of scary, right? So when someone is harvesting the crops, chances are they haven't washed their hands in a long time. And they're harvesting those crops, and those microbes go onto those crops. Yeah, maybe not in huge numbers, but we're talking a lot of microbes. And they get carried to the market by someone. And remember, the emotional charge you have when you carry or touch the microbes, they're being affected. If you're like an angry person, those microbes on your skin are probably going to be angry and drop angry microbes on that, which are going to... I know this must sound completely crazy, but those angry microbes are carried to the market and they're taken into the food and taken into our microbiome and they could alter our microbiome. We know, right? You take the poop out of an anxious mouse into a, and put it in a calm mouse, the calm mouse gets anxious. To take the poop out of a fat mouse, put it in a skinny mouse, skinny mouse gets fat. You put, you put two mice together, one's happy, one's sad, the, 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 the one that's a social disruptor, one that's really aggravated, is going to destroy the very delicate microbes of the happy one. So as it turns out, the microbes that are the most aggressive survival of the fittest, fight battles to protect and survive, 
they're really strong and they overwhelm and they take over. It's like you know when the firemen come and they put out a fire in your house, they knock their windows down, doors down, they save your life, save your family, and but your house is a disaster. So in an emergency situations, everything, you know, anything goes. Well, the same thing with the microbes. When the microbes get when the microbes get stressed out or overwhelmed, they according to Ayurveda, they don't proliferate nearly as well. Now I'm getting a little bit off track, but I'm going to come back here in a second. But here's some interesting stuff. When you love and you give and you care and you help others, as opposed to stress and yell and scream and fight for your life, that will might keep you alive, but the good microbes disappear in the stressful environment. But when you give love and care for others, the good microbes proliferate. So Ayurveda, somehow they knew that, that if you live in what's, that's what's called a sattvic way of being, living your life in harmony and peaceful and loving and caring, being peace-minded. That's why the whole Gandhi thing happened. He wasn't a fighter, he was a lover. And, and, by the, and, and thousands less people died in the revolution than in our revolution, in, in comparison, because he was a lover. And, and in that environment, our good microbes thrive. And they've done studies now when actually, when you give to someone completely what's called, uh, without any expectation to get anything in return, that giving and caring love has an effect at the genetic level. But if you give because, and you hope that they like you back or they care for you or give you a present back, even a little bit of a hook expectation, there's no effect on the genetic level. I don't know how they measured that, but they did, and there's a study, and I've written about it. It's powerful. So it's like not even just giving. It's from who you're giving from, the depth of your giving. And this creates an openness of the microbiology. That microbiology in your gut changes the microbiology in your brain and it changes the function of your whole body. And what Ayurveda said, it was your lymphatic connection. Now, I don't know that we've made that connection in Western medicine yet, um, but that's sort of where we're going. It's super exciting and fascinating, really, to see how this goes. So Ayurveda said that when you sit down and eat your food, if you eat in a relaxed way, that relax, love, appreciation, gratitude, grace, impregnates that emotion and the, into those microbes, and they sort of are in a better state for our health, right? They, they proliferate better health-promoting microbes. Eating, eating, yelling, screaming, having a big fight at dinner, everybody says, don't eat when you're angry, don't even eat, it's not worth it. So now we know that when you're stressed out, it triggers fight or flight response. Fight or flight response turns off your digestion. When you eat calm, it creates a parasympathetic response, which turns on your digestion. So we have absolutely hard science to say that that's actually true. We have microbiologists now saying that, yeah, those bugs actually feel that. Pretty cool. And the relationship to the stress in your gut is where the lymphatic system starts from Western medicine. Inside the little villi of your intestinal tract are the little lacteals. And those lacteals... Um, are where the little where the lymphatic vessels start. Now they're designed to pull fats off your intestinal tract. That's the primary thing your lymphatic system is supposed to do. It breaks down fats in your digestion and delivers those fats into your lymph system to deliver energy to the body. So your lymphatic system is sort of another way of delivering energy to the body. In addition to the, the fats getting into your blood, which is another way of getting energy into the body. The lymphatic system will also take fats that are too big to be broken down, toxic fats, 
that'll actually be or, or, or viruses and things like that that find their way through broken down intestinal skin because it was too stressful out there. The intestinal wall got broken down. Yucky stuff got into the lymphatic system. And now your lymphatic system is lined by lymph nodes which have all these white blood cells to make sure no infection gets through that barrier. So your skin is a barrier and your lymphatic system is a barrier against you know, life-ending uh, bacteria and viruses and infections that can be you know, pretty, pretty dangerous for us. So, so, um, so in addition, when, the, so when that lymphatic system gets congested, um, because overwhelmed with toxins, environmental pollutants, pesticides, preservatives, undigested foods like gluten and casein. We blame wheat and dairy on, 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 on you know, all of our on, on food intolerance issues, you know, but the reality is, is those proteins should have been broken down upstream and never should have been allowed to irritate the intestinal skin, separate the intestinal wall, and allow these big, very hard to digest or break down molecules uh, of gluten or dairy, for that example, to get into your lymphatic system and create a host of problems in addition to the environmental toxins moving in there, and that becomes problematic. Now, once it goes through your intestinal tract, we know that there's the major part of your entire lymphatic system surrounds the intestinal tract. Large intestine with what's called gut-associated lymph, small intestine, which is called mesenteric lymph. And they now know that when we age, our microbes sort of get yucky, and the lymph around the intestinal tract also break down. So they have mapped that the, I wrote an article once called the most important half inch in your body, which is where the lymph and the villi start on the inside of your intestinal tract, and the lymph vessels on the outside of the intestinal tract meet. So where the villi meet the lymph is the most important half inch in your body. And you have a, a, a tennis court's worth of that. In other words, if you took your, your, uh, your intestinal tract, and this is like incredibly hard to believe, I can't even believe this is true. I'd love to, no I wouldn't, but it'd be great to have someone volunteer in their intestinal tract and flatten it all out, because it would cover an entire intest tennis court, which is hard to believe that we have that much intestinal skin. How many people, you could put 200, 300, 400, I don't know, a lot of people on a tennis court. But one of those people flatten out their intestinal tract covers the entire court. It, it doesn't even seem to add up. Why do we have that much intestinal skin? Well, that's been sort of understood now that that intestinal skin is linked to our aging. The microbiology is linked to our aging. The lymph on the outside of the gut wall is linked to aging. So as we age, the intestinal skin gets less and less and less and less and less, right? And that happens to be where the lymphatic system starts. So more yucky stuff gets into your lymph than it should because your intestinal skin broke down. And the intestinal skin breaks down also related to aging. So if you want to stay young and healthy, where is ground zero? Ground zero is absolutely, in fact, and you've heard it here first, your intestinal skin. It is not your probiotic, which are we going to have to take them for the rest of our lives? I can't even believe that. I don't take them any longer. I, feel, I do take them once in a while, but I don't feel like we should take them for the rest of our life. We should fix the intestinal skin. I'm a huge proponent of that. Do whatever it takes to do that. Take the probiotics to reboot permanent colonizing residents that are new in your gut. 
fix that microbiology, create an environment on your skin where those bugs can proliferate and stay proliferating and do their job and not have to take you know, probiotics for the rest of your entire life. Now, there are definitely times when you need them, when you're stressed out or you're sick or different times for sure, for sure. But just the idea of taking anything for the rest of your life just never sat well with me. So how do we get some logic underneath this? Well, the science is pointing us in that direction, and Ayurveda has also pointed us in that direction because they were absolutely about the intestinal skin from the very, very beginning. They made no bones about it. Their whole thing was skin, and it was about intestinal skin. And that's where the lymphatic system starts. I mean, for example, ghee, clarified butter. We use that during our cleanses. We do our, our, our short home cleanse and our Colorado cleanse, and you take ghee, clarified butter, to actually help the body pull fats off the intestinal wall, off the, out of the body, out of the bloodstream. It's called a, a, a lipophilic mediated detox, which has got good science behind it, and I've written a bunch about that. And that's how these cleanses are based. And when you take ghee into your system, which is basically a concentrate of butyric acid, a fatty acid, that is literally made by certain bacteria in your gut, like Clostridium butyricum, whose bacteria, whose, 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 what they make, the, the, uh, sorry, the butyric acid that they make is actually um, the number one driver for immunity in the intestinal tract, supports the health of, of bacteria, of other good bacteria, drives the energy for the colon cells, intestinal tract cells, helps you lose weight, delivers and supports immunity, blood sugar. It's the number one fatty acid that feeds the microbiology inside your intestinal tract, and, it, and the benefits of this are nothing short of phenomenal. Now they knew thousands of years ago that when you take ghee in your body and cook with it and eat with it and do cleanses with it, that it actually heals your intestinal skin, supports better microbiology to support better function. I don't know that they knew about bugs but they definitely knew when they did this stuff, good things would happen. And they've been doing it for thousands and thousands of years. So it's not like they just thought about it last week. And stuff that doesn't last 100 years, you know, I mean, stuff that's lasted 1,000 years, you've got to give it some credit. Something must be working if they keep doing it, you know? Um, so that's just a, one example of how important the intestinal skin was. So many of their most powerful herbs for the intestinal skin, neem, maybe Ayurveda's number one probiotic. It has antiseptic properties for bad bugs and healing skin properties to create an environment for the good bugs to proliferate. I take that every day. I love that stuff. It's really good for pitta, and I'm a little pitta, that's why I have no hair. Amalaki, another phenomenal herb, heals and repairs the intestinal skin, the skin that lines your arteries. I'm talking, Good science is backing these claims up. So it's pretty cool stuff that, that, that these herbs work. Brahmi, Brahmi brain is the herb we use, is an herb that has been used for thousands of years for brain function, mental clarity, and focus, right? Now we have recent research that shows that it heals and supports the health of the intestinal and, and stomach skin. We also have new research that shows that it actually detoxifies your lymphatic system, supports microcirculation. So Brahmi, we're talking Centella Asiatica. You can read on my website the research. That herb, not only does it support the health of the intestinal skin where the lymph starts, it supports lymphatic flow, and it's been the number one brain circulation herb for thousands of years, supporting probably better brain lymphatic drainage. 
My other favorite herb for lymphatic flow is an herb called Mangista, Rubio cordifolia, which is an herb for lymphatic drainage. And I, I take both of those before I go to bed because those are what's draining your brain. Three pounds of toxic beta amyloid plaque in a year, man, you want to have good lymphatic flow. You really, really do. It's the future of medicine, in my opinion. That and circadian medicine living in sync with the natural cycles. And that's not me saying that. That's a big article in Scientific America said the future of medicine is circadian medicine. Ayurveda 101, live with the cycles, eat with the seasons. We talk a lot about that. But Ayurveda 102, which is coming soon, I'm telling you, is your lymphatic flow. You've got to make that happen. It's the biggest circulatory system in your body. You're dead in 24 hours without it. And it, and it all starts in your intestinal skin. And that's where your microbes, which do the heavy lifting for every single thing in your body, come from. And if that skin's broken down, the microbes break down. They don't send good messages to your brain. And the lymph on the outside of that intestinal skin break down, which makes that intestinal barrier very vulnerable to toxins that can go into your lymphatic system and cause all kinds of problems. Now, next month, I'm going to talk about how those toxins got from your upper digestion where they should have been eradicated and they got into your intestinal skin and screwed things up down there, ruined your microbiology, damaged your intestinal skin, congested your lymphatic system and caused a host of problems, none of which has to be there. We can do better. And how do we do better? We heal that intestinal skin first and get that lymphatic system moving. And those are the herbs I talk about. Neem, Brahmi, uh, Mangista, turmeric, phenomenal herb for the intestinal skin and the lymphatic system as well. The white pith of your oranges and grapefruit, that white stuff. When I was in India, we used to scrape it <coughs> and um, dry it and then make powders out of it and give it to people with blood pressure concerns. Well, blood pressure is, is it's a pressure thing. The lymph can't drain. The pressure is going to build up upstream in the arteries. And that was a, a classic lymphatic mover. So eating the white part of your grapefruit and your artery and your, and your pomegranate and your orange as well, all of which makes really great sense. So those are some really good herbs to do uh, for your, your lymphatic system. In addition to that, water. Studies show your lymphatic system gets screwed up when it's not hydrated. Two-thirds of Americans are not hydrated. Your lymphatic system is the most vulnerable to hydration. There's science behind that, which means that if you don't drink enough water, half of your ideal body weight in water per day, or six to eight ounces, six to eight glasses of water per day, um, all of which very, very important. One other technique of sipping hot water throughout the day is very powerful. Just for as a two-week rehydration therapy, not for the rest of your life, just drink hot water to vasodilate, open up those limbs and clean them out. Very, very powerful. Um, studies show that it actually increases the in your respiratory tract the little cilia move like a hundred times per second to sweep yucky stuff to your to your digestion or to be coughed out, and it increases their function of be able to sweep toxins out of your body better, out of your respiratory tract better. Some pretty good science on hot water, believe it or not. Um, so that's really important as well. Sipping hot water, uh, drinking lots and lots of water, stay hydrated, directly related to your lymph and your brain lymph for sure. Sleeping on your, on your side, left side's always better, they say, Ayurvedically, but sleeping on your side isn't really important as well. Uh, taking these herbs, foods that are great for your lymphatic system, or anything that makes your skin uh, turn red or dyes your shirt when you spill on yourself, uh, like pomegranates and beets and cranberries and any kind of berry, any kind of berry. They did a study where they showed, they, they did a longevity study and they had people on all kinds of healthy, and I've written an article about this coming out soon, listing all the top 10 things we should do just to live a longer, healthier life. Well, they just gave people blueberries, 
and it increases their, their, decrease their risk of getting cognitive decline as they age by 35%, just the blueberries alone. How do they work? We know these antioxidants work through your lymphatic system. That's new science that, uh, that is just beginning to come out now, linking that all these berries and cherries and red things that stain you are powerful agents for your lymphatic system. Beets, one of my favorites, are really good. So those are foods from, and also all your greens and a more alkaline diet. Uh, all of those really important. I've listed uh, on my website a list of all the alkaline foods. And since we are going into springtime now, the spring harvest, the spring diet is powerful. And if you don't know, I put out a free monthly eating guide every single month of the year for free with recipes from Emma Frisch from the Food Network. We have grocery lists, superfoods, articles about what microbes are in season and in the ground that become your, that go onto your food, that become your microbiome and change everything so you can get rid of mucus in the spring and get rid of heat in the summer and boost immunity in the winter. This is what the microbiome in the soils and why it's so important to have this connection. It's our circadian connection. Our microbiological connection is very, very important. Uh, we don't even know even a little bit about that yet, but logic will tell you that these are very powerful changes and shifts. And I put out an eating guide every single month for free. It's called the Three Season Diet Challenge right on my homepage. Just sign up for that. It's in addition to our newsletters, which if you don't get that, you, sh you should because it's awesome. We write three times a week about ancient wisdom and modern science and so much exciting stuff is coming out too that you don't want to miss. But um, and then, then we do these podcasts and then we do once a month, we do our eating guide because I just think it's so important for people to at least look at the list and go, hey, you know what? Brussels sprouts are in season. Hey, you know, I'll eat more broccoli. Just start edging yourself in the direction of getting reconnected. Organic foods have thousands of times more microbes than non-organic foods, so you got to eat them. Okay, you got to really make an effort to do that because the pesticides kill the bugs, and the bugs, when they're not there, they're not there. And the pesticides are bad; it's another issue. But the lack of bugs are bad too, so that's really important. And then the last thing for your lymphatic system is exercise. Now think about this: the average hunter-gatherer, right? The average hunter-gatherer walks about nine to twelve miles per day. I don't know if the average American walks 9 to 12 miles, but I doubt it. Um, but they, we moved a lot. We were constantly moving and physical, and we were definitely not genetically wired, matched to sit in the chair all day long in front of a computer. Um, it, we just don't have that kind of genetics. Our lymphatic system is the one system that depends on movement. It pumps through muscular contractions. It doesn't have a heart to pump it. It doesn't have anything to pump it, except if you breathe good. And I talk a lot about that with exercise. So you have to exercise when you breathe through the nose. This is a super short version because I'm running out of time here. The air goes through the nose all the way down into the lower lobes, fills up the rib cage down deep, and forces the rib cage to move, which acts as a lymphatic pump to pump lymphatic fluid away from the chest to the chest, from the lower abdomen back to the heart, from the head back to the heart, so it can be processed. Powerful. All the lymph in your body, just so you know, it comes from your intestinal tract into the intestinal tract, and everything goes back to your heart, from your hands back to your heart, and then it gets pumped into the blood, either for fuel, for fats for the, for the cells, or to be processed to the liver as toxins. So your lymph is carrying hard-to-digest proteins, which can act as irritants, good fats and bad fats, for the most part. Um, and uh, the bad fats are everything from, from greasy fried food to mercury from the coal mine plumes that cover all of America, 
that are lacing even your organic vegetables. So next month, we'll talk about how to be a better digester, how to lose weight, because if you can't digest well, you can't detoxify well, and whether we try to avoid the toxins or not, we can't. They're everywhere. Um, so let's just think for a second. We don't exercise the way we should, the way we're genetically wired and neat. We don't sleep as well as we could. The, sleep, the, the, the limbs that drain our central nervous system, our brain, are very, very minute, microscopic, very, very small. And they drain while we sleep at night. And that's why a lot of times when you wake up in the morning, you feel stiff and lethargic and achy. It takes a while to get going. And that's lymph pooling. Okay? That's not good. We've got to get that moving. That lymph shouldn't, shouldn't wake up feeling so groggy. Secondly, if you're not exercising enough to move the big lymphs, the lymph and the toxins from my muscles that are coming to my body, and that's not moving good, then guess what lymphs are going to get completely overwhelmed at night? The little tiny ones that are trying to drain your brain. Little tiny ones are trying to drain your nervous system. And if they get congested, you're talking about autoimmune conditions, inflammation all over your body, infection in your body, mood, anxiety, depression, cognitive function, Alzheimer's. Those are the relationships that are made. And that's not even funny. So we have to move our body. I've written a whole book, my whole book, um, Body, Mind, Sport, my very first book, about nasal breathing exercise and all the research we did on that, published in the International Journal of Neuroscience about brain waves change when you breathe through your nose, the nervous system becomes calm under stress when you breathe through your nose. Phenomenal benefits when you breathe through your nose. Tons of articles, you can go online, just type in nose breathing exercise on my website and you'll come up with a bunch of articles, all the really cool research that we did on that. Um, so, what else about your brain lymph? Uh, I think we covered it. Uh, there's a lot there. It's not just your brain lymph, right? I didn't actually finish, actually. Because when the yuck gets through your intestinal skin, it's going to go into other lymphatic vessels. We talked about brain lymph as one kind of, kind of backing up congestive concern that we might have because of lymph congestion. The skin, there's an aspect of the skin called skin-associated lymph that can become congested, give you skin rashes and eczema and hives and reactivity and not good things. The respiratory skin can be another dumping ground, so you get a lot of respiratory concerns as well. So you've got skin lymph, respiratory lymph, it can dump into your joints, cause joint problems, brain lymph, um, and really every single lung lymph. It can drain, the lymph drains every single system of your body, and every week there's new science supporting the power and profundity of your lymphatic system, and there are ancient techniques to help make sure we get it cleaned out, and tonight I shared just a handful of them with you. I'm going to start answering some questions here um, in a few minutes. Um, I wanted to also tell you that tomorrow uh, we are um, launching a free video training all about the intestinal skin, about how to heal your intestinal skin and how your body will naturally detoxify on its own automatically by connecting with nature and how to, how to support your intestinal skin. It's called the critical strategy for how to detox your body naturally, okay? And um, uh, a link will be, in, will be um, in the replay that we send you tomorrow. So if you, and it's, it's a completely free video training series. It's got, uh, Three really powerful, long video trainings, so get ready uh, to sit down with a pencil and paper and take some notes, because everything I know about how to do this, way above and beyond what we talked about tonight. Um, so that's really uh, a great video training. It's free. Take it. I think you'll love it. 
and it's called the critical strategy to how to detox your body naturally. Something really close to my heart about how to do this, and it's a free training, so please enjoy that. Sign up for that. Make sure you get that. That'll be in the replay that you'll get in the, in the, in the newsletter. And I'll, it's on my website as well. You, it's called, the again, the, the, the critical strategy to how to detox your body naturally. You'll see it. You click on it. Sign up for that because it's coming over the next couple of weeks. It starts tomorrow. And then it goes over each, you get, I think you get a training a week or every couple of days, you give you the new training and give you some time to, uh, to assimilate it and enjoy that. It's super phenomenal. Don't miss it. Uh, I'm really excited about it. We did a, a really amazing job uh, producing this free training series for you. And it's completely for free. So it's pretty cool. All right. So um, anybody has a question, please feel free to press um, start two on your, uh, on your, on your, on your, um, uh, computer and I'm going to go and see if anybody has any other questions as well um, yeah so um, here's a question um, I had congested armpit lymph for three years I'm gluten free I take mangista and red root and it doesn't go away I started exercising more and plan on getting a rebounder can leaky gut be the cause and this is absolutely you know I see this all the time, you know, lymph congestion here in the groin, different places. Um, so it's very, very, it's very, very important for us to make sure the lymphatic system is moving. Leaky gut is not only could it be the cause, it's most likely the cause, particularly since if you didn't have damage to those lymph nodes underneath the armpit. So I would highly suggest that you read about all my strategies to reset digestive function. Uh, we had, it's cleansing season. We have our short home cleanse and our Colorado cleanse coming up, which is our two-week digestive reset. Don't miss that. Really tune into that. That's a great way to help not only reboot digestion, but reboot your lymphatic system as well. Um, herbs like mangista and red root are great. More, more berries and cherries and lymph and alkalize your body. Exercise, really important. I would definitely do, you know, like even windmills with your arms and get that lymph moving the best you can, but track back to your digestion. You should be digesting like a champion. You should not have wheat and dairy issues. And not to say that we have to eat wheat and dairy, it's not. But if wheat and dairy is a hard to digest food and you can't digest it and you once were able to, then that means that your digestion is broken down, which means the gluten and dairy, the, the gluten and casein are probably ending up in your lymphatic system creating hypersensitivity reactions. And that we can fix, it's fixable for sure, trust me. That's what I do um, here, is help people reboot digestion. That's why I wrote a book called Eat Weed, because I think it's, we, we, we're, we're, we, we've convicted wheat and dairy without a fair trial. It's not right. We did the same thing with cholesterol, and that was wrong. 60 years of eating, the wrong, of eating a diet completely based on flawed interpretation of the science. And we're doing the exact same thing. A lot of the science on wheat is sugar. It's not sugar. Sugar is bad, for sure. But wheat actually lowers blood sugar. So there's a whole lot to learn that I'm going to share with you. And uh, you're, not, you're, not, you're not going to believe when my book comes out. It's my best work ever. Um, really proving and making a case that we have convicted the wrong thing. It isn't wheat. It isn't dairy. Not to say that we've done some bad things with wheat and dairy. We'll talk, and that's in the book as well. But there's, there's other issues here. So just being gluten-free is a great thing to do initially. Take off some of the stress from the digestion. But let's fix the cause which is the weakness of digestion in the first place. Can lemon water fasting for, um, for say, 10 days have a positive effect on my lymph? Yeah, what, lim what lemon water does has citric acid in it naturally, and what it actually does, it breaks down um, uric acid. 
And uric acid can congest your lymphatic system and cause gout and, 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 and linked too, by the way, and uric acid levels, I think I wrote an article about this, where uric acid levels are like, something like, and I wrote an article, I think it's something like 17% higher than it was just like 10 or 20 years ago. I forget the exact detail. I think it was even worse than that, actually. Um, but it comes from eating a lot of, you know, meats and, and very acidic foods and having poor liver function and having poor upper digestive function, which we're going to talk about next month. So don't miss that podcast as well, where I dive into that in detail. I love a little bit of lemon water. Don't overdo it though because I I did sort of overdo it once I, I, I really got into lowering my uric acid levels and I got all the uric acid tester and I tested it and I had lemons for breakfast and lunch and supper and everything in between I ate like at least 10 lemons a day and um, it wasn't good uh, lemons are very acidic and I got really hot my eyes turned bloodshot I, I sort of overdid it but I but my uric acid levels were so good um, but my point is, is that I usually tend to try these things out myself. I probably shouldn't tell you that. But the uh, point was, is it was very powerful. And now a little bit of lemon water with your, with your, meal, with your meals or when you first wake up in the morning is fine. For 10 days fasting, not a problem, but don't overdo it. A little bit, a half a lemon in a lot of water is fine. Don't overdo the lemon because it can be a little bit more, more powerful than you think. Um, I'm here to, here to prove it to you. Um, Another question from London. I have uh, relapsing, uh, remitting multiple sclerosis, IBS, anaphylaxis, and food intolerance. My understand, understanding that MS is, a, is my immune system crossing the blood-brain barrier and attacking, um, and doesn't know how, doesn't know why it does that. Could the lymphatic system be involved in MS? Well, the science is telling us that. MS is an autoimmune condition and lymph is related to autoimmune conditions. Now, we haven't seen the new science to link that autoimmune condition up to lymphatic congestion, but, but from the Ayurvedic perspective, yes. From the Western perspective, not yet. What I would do is I would start troubleshooting your lymphatic system. Go to my website, read all the articles on the lymphatic system, and, and that backs up to digestion. And then let's learn how to reboot that digestive system and make it great. Um, uh, sound like Donald Trump. Um, okay, uh, with spring around the corner, what is the simplest detox for someone who has an autoimmune condition? Thanks, Dr. John. You know, um, I think the simplest detox that we have is our, our, our free short home cleanse ebook. It's four days. Um, I, I tell a funny story. I was uh, with a short home cleanse. Woman's World magazine called me up a couple years ago and said, Do you have a cleanse we could use? and try out. I said, sure, it's on my website. You can download it. It's free. They downloaded it. I didn't hear them from, from like maybe nine months. They called up. They wanted a two-hour interview with me to do a fact-checking interview. I said, fact-checking for what? They said, oh, we downloaded your, your short home cleanse, and we did a 40-person a uh, focus group, had them all do it, and the results were phenomenal. People lost nine pounds in four days. It was phenomenal. And, um, and they made it a feature article in Women's World magazine. The cool thing about that is it was, it, it's so gentle. You basically take ghee in the morning for four days and you eat a no-fat diet for four days. And we have a 40-page ebook that sort of describes all the details. But that's basically it. Super kind, super gentle, and the ghee talks about healing the gut. 
and you eat kitchari, which is the other thing that Ayurveda created a thousand years ago to heal the gut. I mean, now the science says that's exactly what it does, is it heals the gut. So, pretty neat. But that would be what I would say, to do that, that one, that's Jamie from Vancouver, so that's what I would, I would point you in that direction. Um, uh, a question related to detoxification, detoxifying the brain, I have a brain tumor, are there um, specific detoxification suggestions you would have to reduce the size and heal tumors in the brain? Um, this is a very specific kind of a question. There are herbs that are called brain-derived neurotropic factors. Some of them are shown to reduce brain tumors, like turmeric is a brain-derived neurotropic factor, which builds brain cells, new brain cells. Bacopa monaria, which is another one that's been shown to, to do that. Um, those are the two that I know that are really good for tumors. Um, definitely do some research and make sure it's right for your tumor, for sure. Um, ashwagandha, another brain-derived neurotropic factor. Um, and um, so it's turmeric, ashwagandha, bacopa, and fish oil. Those are the th ones that actually do that. And then thinking about Brahmi brain, our Brahmi brain, and Manjisa before you go to bed to drain the toxins from your brain. Maybe the sagittal sinus technique we talked about, look into that. Check with your doctor, make sure we're not crossing any lines there. But those are all things that I would have them have. Uh, all, everything I talked about tonight, I would do into it with, with everything I've got, you know, in addition to working with your medical doctor who can, you know, who can tailor make many, many times drugs specifically for your kind of tumor. Um, what connection does the limb system have to production of dopamine and can it help Parkinson's? There is some new information and some new research with regard to those limbs and Parkinson's, so that research is there. So they're definitely connected. So again, everything I talked about, um, the, the lymph drains uh, and supports the flow of all the neurotransmitters like GABA and dopamine and, and uh, serotonin. So they're all very much related to this system. This is why it's such exciting news because Western science is gonna put their spin print on it and understand it in a way that Ayurveda couldn't. They didn't have those tools, but the two together you know, help, will help us you know, really focus in and isolate the most profound and exact therapy for your lymph and for your brain lymph. Um, um, red root is another option for moving lymph you've prescribed for me in the past. How does it compare with Mangista? Uh, uh, Mangista to me is a, is a big lymphatic mover for the whole lymphatic system. And red root is really better, good for the whole system, but better for the lymph nodes, swollen glands kind of a thing. So those, that's how I look at it. Although if the lymph was congested, I would do both. Um, uh, exercise is good, I understand, for moving lymph, inverted postures, but what, which supplements help move lymph and how do they and how do they do that? I think that this question was written before I answered that question and I answered that, so I'm not going to, in the name of time, go through that. And that will be sent in the email tomorrow as a recap. Um, everything about all the herbs that I mentioned will be there in the recap. It's now 633 I just wanted to tell you guys that um, officially the call's over. I'm just going to stay here and answer a bunch of questions for a while. Uh, you're absolutely more than welcome to stay, um, but officially the call's over. And please don't forget about our, our new free training, which starts tomorrow. Um, you can sign up for that starting tomorrow. You'll get a little uh, announcement in the, in the uh, email that we'll send you about that. And it's also on my homepage, and that's all about how to detox naturally all by yourself. So check that out, that, that free training, which you don't want to miss, starts tomorrow. Um, otherwise, thank you all for listening. Thanks for coming, and I will stay here, answer your question. I haven't gotten to your phone calls yet either, which I will do here in a minute. Um, I had numerous head traumas. Sometimes uh, during uh, barometric changes, the rush is intense. 
any suggestions for keeping my energy up, not taking, not, not uh, taking uh, with help of better lymph function? I'm on numerous hormones because I'm not being, they're not being produced at adequate levels since injuries, water puffiness gets worse at times. Yeah, so, so there's a direct relationship when you have those barometric pressure issues, that's your lymphatic system speaking to you. So if you can feel the rains coming and that kind of thing, your lymph's talking to you for sure. That's a lymphatic congestive system. So you need to be thinking, how do I get my lymph better? More berries, more cherries, more beets, more cranberries, more um, leafy greens, more of an alkaline diet. Don't go crazy on that because there's a time and a place for, you know, uh, you don't just only go out, out, out uh, alkaline. In nature, it's all about balance, you know, it's all about bringing this whole thing into balance. So that's really important. Um, acid more in the winter, alkaline in the spring and the summer, you know, fruits in the summer. We make seasonal changes. It's, the skin of your intestinal tract is super delicate. We don't want to clobber it. This is we have to get out of our, our mindset that we clobber this body. And the intestinal skin and the microbes on them are more sensitive than you'll ever know. And they're very, very delicate. So we have to create an environment and support them in, in as delicate a way as we possibly can. There's a time and a place for antibiotics and things like that. But, but you know, for the most part, it's, it's being really, really delicate. Um, to this person with all this lymph congestion, absolutely. Um, so much there, I, I feel like I would like maybe do a consultation and really dig in and understand the details of that a little bit better before I comment. Um, what oils are, are safe or bad? Um, um, what oils are safe for bad sinuses with cili with celiac? Um, I imagine we're talking about nasi oils. I'm not really sure what the question is, but you should be able to do nasi oils. The one we have is really really gentle. That works really really well. Olive oil, so good for the intestinal skin, really good quality. I've written a lot about what a good quality oil company should be like. Um, how can I drain my lymph nodes if the armpit in, in the armpit if carcinoma is involved? Uh, lymphedema arm is very painful. Um, this is where you have to really check with your medical doctors and your oncologists and really make sure that we're working together and team up a little bit. This is where I wouldn't want to just give that kind of information or recommendation to do something when you have cancer, but we do need that obviously is a system that is, that is um, trying to drain toxins. And, we, and I would say, let's go back to your digestion and really run a fine tooth comb through that because that's where your lymph system starts. And I don't know if I would do anything here directly, but I would do everything on your digestive system because that's where probably where, where the problem, no one's really done that. And a lot of times, a lot of the medications that we take to help you know, kill the cancer are pretty harsh on the digestive system, so that can be pretty, pretty tough. So we want to do that first, and that's where I'd point you in that direction. And that's going to be next, pod, pod, next month's podcast, and I've written a ton about that, so go there and see if we can't help figure something out. Uh, I would appreciate any recommendation for taking lymph vein or brahmi brain by someone who already has Alzheimer's. Well, lymph vein is a product that we sell that has um, diosmin, which is the chemical in the white pith of the oranges and grapefruit we talked about. And so it's a concentration of that. So it's pretty neat. Somebody figured that out and made a product out of making, concentrating the white pith. And that is for microcirculation as well. So that's really good for the subtle little microscopic lymphs, which I like. And then, of course, the Brahmi brain, like I talked about, is really good for the microcirculation as well and really good for the brain. I would highly recommend both of those uh, as well as Bacopa and get and read my free ebook on sugar. 
um, because that's really one of the major problems with Alzheimer's is sugar. I call it, you know, uh, type three diabetes, and that's something that you have to really look at very, very carefully. But those are the herbs I would look at for sure. Um, I fought sluggish digestion my whole life, possibly related to gallstones uh, at nine. Wow, um, age nine, gallbladder moved to age 13. What specific limb-supporting foods activity would be preferred for me? Wow, well, I, the first thing that comes to my mind is beets should be like your new best friend because beets are bile movers. They have nitrates that dilate the bile ducts, so even though you don't have a gallbladder, you're still making bile in your liver, and that liver has to work really, really, really good. And we're in the springtime right now, so everything that's harvested in the spring, the bitter roots and the, and the, and the leafy greens that are gonna begin to come soon, and the berries, it's like a one, two, three punch for your lymph. The bitter greens to clean the villi and scrub your liver. The, the greens to, or the bitter roots to do that, rather. The greens to fertilize with good bacteria and the, and, the, and, the, and the berries, which come at the end of the spring, early summer, to flush your lymphatic system. It's a one, two, three punch for that lymphatic system, and nature is pulling that off for you automatically. Pretty cool. Um, could stagnated lymph be the cause of my uh, lichen sclerosis? Yes. When you have lichen sclerosis, you have skin being a, the skin associated lymph being a dumping ground for toxins and impurities in the body. So we have to look at the lymphatic system in a big way and detoxify that. You just track it down. It's fun, really. When you really listen to the body, it's always telling you exactly what it's doing and why. And that's the magic of I love what I do because I love to just listen carefully and connect the dots and go, well, this is your body being extremely logical to resolve this problem. Better to dump it out to your skin than dump it in your heart, right? Right? Um, what do you think about craniosacral work affecting lymphatic flow? Um, very, very good, actually, particularly for those, those potentially those brain limbs and those subtle limbs. It could be uh, really, really cool. Um, so I'm going to go to the questions. Anybody with a question, please push star two. Um, and um, lots of folks on the phone here. And um, I'm going to wait a minute before we wrap up here because we're over. And um, um, if anybody has any questions, here's a question um, from um, Charlottesville, Virginia. Are you there? Charlottesville, are you there? There you are. I can hear you. Are you there? All right, good. Speak up. Oh. Can you hear me now? I can now. Yeah, go ahead. Yes, thank you. Okay, great. Um, I was just curious. The, the happy mouse and the grumpy mouse, or the angry mouse, um, what would it take for the happy mouse uh, microbiome to overcome the grumpy mouse so that it doesn't go the other way? So the question is, what would it take for the happy mouse to overtake the unhappy mouse microbiome? Yeah. A lot of happiness, you know, kill them with kindness, you know, um, love them to death. Um, what else can we say? You know, I think it's all of that, really, because, you know, we, here's what we know. We, and I couldn't say this a couple of years ago, but I feel like pretty confident I can say that the human body is is by definition a loving organism. It thrives in love. The microbiome thrives. Your brain telomeres lengthen in a loving, kind, sattvic, peaceful environment. Your genes express positive you know, expressions in a loving, kind environment. 
They don't do any of that under stress. They disappear under stress. Now, it seems we absolutely have the ability to be stressed out and fight for our survival, right? I mean, that makes good sense, right? That's why we're here. Our cells can protect themselves big time. You know, plants can pump out enough toxic chemical to kill an herbivore if that herbivore is eating too much of their plant. So plants can be pretty vicious. I mean, in other words, like a plant could be like the best food for a cow. All of a sudden, the cow they, they take they eat the plant to the point where it's actually um, going to maybe die or, or 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 risk the species. The plant can put out a chemical to kill the cow. That's crazy, right? So. Our cells have been fighting adversity from the very, very beginning. And we can do that. But that's not who we are. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And one real, real quick thing is years ago I had very, very bad infections in both eyes at the same time with pus dripping out and got all kinds of you know, medicine from the eye doctor and nothing was helping. And I was doing warm compresses with golden seal on them. And I was getting more and more frustrated every day. And finally, one day, I had this compress over my eye, and my eye actually spoke to me. And it said, will you please just touch me with love? <laughs> and I just about jumped out of my skin. My fingers were on my eyeball. And that changed everything for me. It really did. Yep. I recognize that I am a living being in more ways than one. And I to be able to hear that and know... I have to, I don't know if everybody heard that, because I want to just tell everybody real quick. She was had an eye infection, and she was just putting compresses and golden seal, and killing it with all these medicines, herbal, putting things on it, and finally her eye, she just felt this inner voice saying, stop, will you start loving me and do this with kindness and love, as opposed to in such an aggressive manner, and, um, and that changed everything. And, and I think that's the, really, that's the great takeaway, and thank you for that call, is that our our body is way more delicate. And I think what Ayurveda knew more than anything is the subtlety of the human body. And they mapped out the subtlety to the point that we only are just beginning to discover that subtlety now. And I, I, I think I did a video on this recently or wrote something about it recently. That could it be that the most subtle things in our body are the most powerful? And as we begin to discover the more subtle things, we realize that they are the most powerful, like the microbiome, for example, like our genetics, for example, like circadian rhythms, for example, which we are only beginning to understand, but are actually turn out to be the most powerful. We can't see or touch them, right? You can't see or touch your microbes, I mean, in the, for the naked eye, but they're turning out to be the most powerful. That was what Ayurveda is. That's Ayurveda's sort of gift to us, is kind of a heads up, you know, get our life together now before when why we have to wait 10 years for the science to come out to say, hey, you should have been going to bed at night and eating in the middle of the day and not eating at 12 o'clock at night. I mean, we, we, have, you know, we don't have to wait for the science to come when these things that they're telling us are actually quite logical. Super exciting time. Marsha, thank you so much for your call. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll see you all next, next month when we talk about um, how to lose weight naturally, and we're going to answer all your cleansing questions as well at the end of that call as well. Thanks for listening. See you next month. Thank you so much. You're very welcome.